0: AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at AgDirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at AgDirect.com.
1: You'll find us here. Moving iron.
0: Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. If you ever get lost in the dark and feel like you need to roam the countryside aimlessly in the dark you don't have to do that anymore because you can go to axon tire and go to marketing at axontire.com and they will send you this right here this right here folks is a free flashlight courtesy of the folks of axon tire if you look, want one of those send an email to marketing at axontire.com and you'll be blinded by the light huh? i about like that sean that's pretty good <laughs>
1: Wow, you know what? This show keeps getting better and better
0: and better. <laughs> uh, so if you want one of those, send an email to market at com, and you'll uh, get one in the mail. Just send them your details and tell them the Moving Iron podcast sent you. Valid transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking you needs at Valley Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You could even apply online at agdirect.com. So for more information, go to agdirect.com. As normal, I've got uh, Sean Hackett here from Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida with me. And we are going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the marketplace. So Sean, how are you doing this morning, man?
1: I'm doing good, Casey. Another, another day of... Uh of uh announcements events and uh volatility
0: yep not much to talk about again so no what we're gonna do so all the news that i have that i read here in the morning um it's pretty uh pretty front loaded with wheat but we also had a an explosion uh on an lpg um compression line for exporting uh natural gas out of the country and right before you were talking like you're talking uh, it was nine and a half and it dropped down to eight so talk about that a little bit as we kick it off here today
1: it was the freeport terminal so it's the largest export terminal of lng uh to europe and asia and um they had some explosion for whatever reason and uh so that uh terminal will be shut down for the next three weeks while they repair and that means of the exports which come out of that terminal will be halted which means all the natural gas that would have gone to be compressed to be exported now stays in the country and it adds some extra uh, injection potential for the next three weeks meaning we could add more natural gas into storage before that um, terminal comes back up and running so it's not like this is a major game changer but at a time when when we're really really worried about how much natural gas we're going to have at the beginning of the next winter season, anything we can do to get a little extra uh, supply into the storage uh, facilities, you know, the, the market's going to react uh, uh, pretty violently to that. You know, when you're dealing with $9 natural gas, we haven't been there quite some time. And so um, I think this is going to be a feature, especially as we move into the hurricane season, kind of what happened because everyone knows what happened last year. We had the uh, hurricane come in, it, it messed up all the rigs and all. And so I think you're going to have a lot of volatility on whether um, in both directions, you know, does it shut down the export terminals or does it shut down the production or does it do both? You know, and so right. so it's th- this is a sign of a lot more volatility and the one-way trade, which natural Gas has been now for a while, is probably over. And you're now dealing with a, a trader's market for a while in, 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 in extremely volatile condition so I, my point is just be careful in this market right now it's 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 not going to be uh an easy endeavor until we get through the hurricane season to handle this kind of volatility literally in seconds to drop like that is pretty amazing so that's
0: yeah, a it's a pretty big swing and, and just a, a turn of the head boom okay. yeah You're boom going, you know all right all right so we got you know we've kind of beat wheat to death but i mean it, it is the big the big unknown right now until we get through uh, winter wheat um, harvest and what that looks like in both the U.S., Europe, and um, Russia and Ukraine is what that looks like there. I mean, so the uh, my news little blurb that comes out to me every morning here about ag-related markets and stuff like that um, is uh, just riddled with with stuff talking about um, we, so there's been no agreement yet to talk about that. We are on Tuesday. We talked about, uh, uh, Russia is going to let, start letting, is, is thinking about letting, uh, some Ukrainian, um, exports out of, of what remaining ports are open. They're going to guarantee secure passage and all this kind of thing, which I don't know how they can do all that, but that's what they're going to do. Um, you got that. You've got, um, a firm, uh, out in, uh, the European union, um, has cut the uh, wheat export forecast for for Europe, and um, even France, which is one of the larger um, wheat producing countries in Europe, um, they're, they're cutting their outlook as well. Um, and then you look at Argentine wheat and what that's going on there, um, it's going to be down from what the previous assessment was too. so just you, you know, it's like the wheat supply issue just can't catch a break here Sean. I guess so what, what's your thoughts there?
1: Well, it's grown in so many different parts of the world that if you want to find good weather, you can find it. If you want to find bad weather, you can find it. Right. Um, so, you know, right now we're obviously growing the summer winter or the summer wheat crop in, in Europe, um, obviously spring wheat here, and um, overall, uh, the weather has improved for Europe. They've gotten some rains, not everywhere, but especially France, which had been really a hot spot for some missing out on a lot of rains they they've gotten some beneficial rains that are that's going to kick the can down the road just a little bit but the bigger issue is how much can ukraine russia sell you know we 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 all indications are that russia is going to have a record wheat crop harvest um they had these talks in turkey on wednesday as you said you know uh, in theory, everyone says that looks good, but we don 't have an iron cloud of green, but how much we is going to be able to get out of that region um, over the summer months i don 't know, but I, I think with the price as high as it is um, and with as many supplies as there happens to be over there, you know there should be enough supply coming out of there to at least keep this market in check, um, which I think we talked about this the other day, and then once um and then once we get that low-lying fruit out of the way and that overhang of supply is moved out, you know, we could enter a pretty interesting period where those that still have supply say, you know, I'm not selling anymore or I can't sell anymore. Um, and then, of course, you know, the world doesn't stop needing wheat. They need it all the time. Right. And so I kind of feel like we're in a pause period into July and then things could get pretty exciting again in late summer, in the fall. And so I'd be looking, if I was a buyer, you know, if I'm a cash buyer of wheat, if I'm an end user I'd be kind of looking for buying opportunities here in July, you know, late June into July on maybe some of this corrective pressure we're going to get from typical harvest pressure. I think there might be an opportunity for those that need to buy physical product here to protect themselves against what could be a, a supply squeeze situation over the, uh, you know, over the fall months, unless, unless there's some real dramatic, dramatic change in what's going on with uh, the Russian Ukraine situation. Um, that seems to me like what's likely to happen here. So
0: Right on. Okay. China has uh, really kind of the table here, and uh, in May they're up almost 30% um, over the previous month in uh, soybean imports. And as you're looking at what's going on there, Sean, what are your thoughts on that?
1: You know, China's a black box. We never really know how much they actually have. We never actually know how much they actually need. They tell us all kinds of things. We know none of it's true. Um, but all we could do is, you know, what are they doing? And, you know, they're buying a lot of soybeans like they always do.
0: Right.
1: Um, looking at the price for Chinese hogs, they've been rising pretty substantially here in the last 45 days, which says to me that the herd liquidation from the second round of ASF earlier in the year um, is behind them. So they need to get back into a herd rebuilding cycle. Um, they, need, they need to bring the piglets in. They start, needing, you know, they're going to need more feed, bean meal feed to feed those piglets. Um, and that would require them to start picking up the pace on soybean purchases to crush into bean meal. So I'm kind of feeling, you know, that the demand from China for soybeans is going to continue to be good. Now if we have a huge crop like I think we're going to have, you know, that certainly could put pressure on prices, uh, even if there's strong demand. But until we get further along in the growing season, I think China's going to take the, take the idea, you know, You know, let's make sure we secure enough supply just in case, you know, the U.S. has a bad crop. If they have a good crop, we can back away. We can leave more hand to mouth. We can, you know, we can try to buy cheaper. But I don't think they want to go in to late July, August and find out we have a hot, dry weather pattern. We're going to have a short crop. And they didn't buy enough. I think they just want to be safe. It'll be safer than sorry right now.
0: Right on. Okay. All right. Set up the uh, protein markets right now. So cattle prices have firmed up. Um, uh, uh, this week, you know, they kind of had a rough week the week, the previous week, but they've firmed up this week. And then you look at what's going on in hogs, and they're, they've are they kind of gotten blasted here this week. So I guess what's your thoughts on, on the protein market right now?
1: Well, we've had a dramatic, dramatic bullish reversal in cattle, and uh, feeder cattle and live cattle. I mean, feeder cattle at the low on Monday were 162 and change, and, and we're at 176. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I mean that's quite a short-term move. Now, of course, it got crushed prior to that, but I'm just saying that we've we've had we've, been, we've had a major, major bottom. We think, Casey. We've kind of talked about how we'd eventually get to the end of this. You know, unless we're going to liquidate the entire U.S. cattle herd, which you, which I don't see happening at some point, you get to the point where you're just not going to you're not going to liquidate anymore. And I think we're at that point where we've liquidated everything we can without doing long-term. Uh, you know, detrimental harm to the overall U.S. cattle business, and so I think that this big uh, reversal uh, off of important lows here and, and support uh, is an indication that we're now on 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 the herd, re, you know, the herd liquidation cycle is ended, and we're moving into this next phase, which is you know herd rebuilding at some point, and so I think this big reversal is 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 a sign of more to come. And our forecast has been, Casey, as you know, as we get into the latter part of this year, especially into the first half of 23, we think the 2014 highs, you know, can be tested and possibly even exceeded before it's all said and done. So if I'm a, if I'm a cattleman, you know, obviously you always have to sell and you got to be you know, mindful and it doesn't mean you don't sell this nice snapback rally we've had on near term needs. But I would definitely be on the lighter side of making sales if I'm in the cattle business right now. I think you have an, are going to have an opportunity to really, really um, get some good prices going forward and really be able to put some serious equity into a, a business that has not been doing very well for quite a few years. And so I think, you know, there's some optimism there uh, that we might finally be turning the corner here. and It's time for the cattlemen to make some money.
0: Right so. on. It's good news. All right, Sean. Lastly, here let's let's hit up energy markets for just a little bit. What you see happening there? So, price of diesel fuel keeps climbing. Price of you know gas at the pump keeps uh, climbing up. Um, Brent crude uh, right now is trading about a hundred and a little over one hundred well, and twenty-three. Uh, almost one hundred twenty-four. And West Texas is right around one twenty-two. So um it's been banging around that that 120 to 125 range here for the past a uh, couple two or three weeks almost now i guess as you take a look what's going on there sean and there's really there's no relief in sight so i guess what, what's your thoughts on on the, the price of oil right now
1: well remember we typically pump prices up sure. ahead of the driving season right and, and then and then we we tend to price it all in and then we work our way down as the driving season you know matures so so this would be a time that we would expect to see some kind of a seasonal peak in diesel and and, um, and gasoline prices. Obviously, they're much, much higher this year for all the reasons that we know. But, um, you know, and obviously hurricanes can come in and create some issues. But overall, I I think we're probably pricing most of it in here now mm-hmm. on terms of the maximum of how much we're going to consume, how much we're going to, you know, just just the typical... Summertime, summertime demand
0: uh,
1: yep. yeah so so i would think we're probably near a top in the distillates um it doesn't mean it's you know, going back to your know, prices we want but i think we're going to see some prices easing back you know as we get into uh the latter part of the summer as part of a normal seasonal pattern i think we probably are near or, or possibly even at uh, a high watermark here for quite some time in yep. diesel and uh and gasoline
0: right so on. so how's that's not going to play into all this with what we see happening there
1: we're kind of maxed out production wise. I mean, we only have so many plants that can all, you know, every year they do a little bit better job and make it a little more than they did the year before out of the same corn, but you know, we're kind of maxed out production. So I don't really see the corn's been bought a long ago. Uh, the prices are good. Uh, yeah. They probably will come down here later in the summer and the margins will shrink. But if, if the, if the, Ethanol guys have done what they're supposed to do. They should already have the price locked in. They should have the corn locked in, and all they got to do is run the plant correctly. Right. I don't really see an issue for ethanol uh, until um, you know, we, they work off this margin they've set for themselves, and that won't really come into play until the fall. So,
0: Gotcha. One thing we hit on from time to time, and I keep watching it because one of these days I'm going to build a, a garage next to my house here, but not anytime soon, um, price of lumber. Price of lumber has really I mean, oddly enough, has come down significantly from we're talking from, you know, fifteen hundred dollars a linear foot to all the way down to you know, here we are right around what what's it today? What's it, almost six hundred dollars a linear foot. So I mean a hundred linear foot. So you looking at that, I mean that's a that's almost been cut in third from what it was. And it continues yeah, to go there. I, I,
1: I, And this was one of the first big bull markets that took off that led into this big move up in prices. And it's different this time and a new normal, higher plateau, all that stuff that you always hear when prices take off. As you know, Casey, we've talked about, we feel that $1,600 level was a bubble top that we may not see again for a decade. I mean, that was one of those crazy things. And then we had the echo bubble where that's that secondary rally that says, Oh, the bull is still alive. And of course it comes up short where you top out, you know, you don't get all the way back up. I think we got to like 1300 before we rolled over. Um, and of course this is supposedly during a time where there's no end in sight to the housing increase right. uh, price increases and all. and yet we've seen a market collapse what 60 or 70 percent from the highs. just be it just goes to show you you know that given the right price level, even in this current environment, if you if, you ha- if you're high enough for long enough eventually the supply will come in and the demand will back away, and I think that's a lesson to be learned uh, that uh, as, as bullish as many markets are, and it's impossible to see any immediate alleviation of the supply shortages, uh, they can come faster than you think, yeah. and lumber's a great example of if it led on the way up, it's probably leading on the way down, and so that would be a warning sign that, that other markets are going to start to show you know, some similar... Um, you know some similar declines, uh, and and that's overall going to start taking that inflation rate that the that everyone's really concerned about. And it doesn't mean it goes away, but at least the you know ten percent plus inflation, you know, maybe drops down to three to five percent, which you know, all things considered, is a much better rate of growth than ten or fifteen percent. I think that's going to be the story later in the year. Is that we're going to see these inflation numbers start to throttle down and take some of the pressure off of the disposable income. Drawdowns that many are starting to feel now.
0: Yep. So, okay, all right, one more thing, and I'll let you get back to your to your sunny South Florida summer day here. Cotton is one of those things we talk about a lot as being a, a leading indicator going into what what the economy is doing right now. Right, right now, cotton price is at uh, it's a dollar forty one right now. It's up just a little bit on the day. Uh, you look at a chart, and it's, uh, you know, we had a high back in to beginning of May, somewhere in like that 153 range, 158 range, something like that. And then you've seen where it's at now, down in that one um, 140 to – 137 to 140 range. As you look at that, Sean, um, I mean, supply and all those things have to start to play into that. We're going to go in – we're planning cotton now. We're going into – harvest here in about you know, three or four months. I guess, what, what are your thoughts on, on the cotton market? And, and do, you, do you still see that direct um, reflection of, of what we see happen in the marketplace as far as how it reflects to the economy?
1: Cotton's been a little bit of a strange story because China's been such a big buyer, but they haven't been a big buyer because end-user demand's been so strong. They've been a big buyer because the EU and the U.S. have decided that they don't want to buy child labor cotton from them. You know where they take five-year-olds and ten-year-olds and force them to work in these crazy conditions, and you know, right? We've decided that we're not going to buy cotton that's grown in that manner from them, so it's forced them to buy cotton from us in order to make cotton products out of cotton that's not labor, uh, you know, labor-driven, child labor-driven, and that's kept a strong bid in our market despite the fact that we have slowing end-user demand. So the question becomes. At what point have they bought enough of that cotton that they that they start to pull back? I think they're at the I think they're at the point now. If you look at the price of cotton in China, there had been a huge premium. Uh, you know, they were trading at like a dollar fifty when we were trading at sixty seventy cents. And if you look at now where we are, the U.S. is now at a higher price than the Chinese cotton price. That tells me they have bought what they need from us in order to satisfy this non-child labor grown cotton kind of a situation and with the prices as high as they are and end user demand weakening um, and some very, very, very timely rains we've gotten here in West Texas and it looks like some more on the way. Um, it sure looks to me like, you know, we could be looking at uh, a considerable knockdown in prices later this year. Be mindful until the hurricane season's over, the market's always going to be looking over their shoulder To see if one of these hurricanes comes in and creates havoc in Texas or the Deep South, but absent you know a crazy hurricane situation, you know I do think we're 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 probably put a top in here in cotton, um, and we're probably going to start working our way down as end user demand starts to be throttled down and those ending stocks start to be uh, to 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 grow and look less daunting as they have been now and especially if china starts pulling back on their imports of u.s cotton that'll really be a sign that we're entering a different phase for the u.s cotton market so
0: okay well good stuff as usual sean folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you got going on over at hackett financial what's the best way to do that
1: our website is hackett h-a-c-k-e-t-t advisors.com we have podcasts sample reports white papers to let everyone know what we do and how we do it and why we do it to see if it can be of some value
0: Right on. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to uh, Moving Iron Podcast on LinkedIn and the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel to check out everything we have going on here as far as episodes go. Go to MovingIronLLC.com for the latest blog posts and all the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. If you're a dealer of any kind you want to come and, and attend that, Shoot me an email at movingironpodcast at moving com for more information or all the information is right there on the website that you uh, could ever possibly want. So, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks, Casey, as always. Yeah. Oh, one last thing. My friend Alex Shechenko is going over to Ukraine to go uh, uh, spread humanitarian aid to from Poland. Uh, to Ukraine uh, where he can and he's got some some stuff hooked up there he bought himself a, a, a cargo van in Poland and he is uh, driving his uh, his family back to Kiev of all places to to uh, to go back in and, and take care of uh, what he can so um, Alex's uh, story is in episodes uh, 162 163 and 164 I'll be back there and uh, you can check that out. And, and listen to that. So if you want to help Alex out, go to his GoFundMe page. Just look up uh, Help Alex Transport, humanitarian aid from Poland to Ukraine, and uh, donate what you can there. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go move some iron folks. Out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com.
1: Moving iron in the 21st century